welcome in to the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, part of Vol Basketball Fever. We're a show dedicated exclusively to talking about the Lady Vols and news around the program. Tune in to hear thoughts and discussions from experts who cover the Lady Vols on a daily basis. Now, here's a new episode of the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford here with Vol Basketball Fever, joined by Cora Hall of Knox News. Very, very glad to have you back on the podcast and the show here, Cora. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I know it's been a while, but um, you know, you know how February is. Oh yeah, February, March. You you've been particularly busy because you don't just cover Lady Vols. You cover you know women's athletics at large for Tennessee for Knox News. So you've had a you've had a busy time the last month. So I totally understand. I, I'm very happy to, to have you on here. Very appreciative of you taking time to hop on the the show to talk Lady Vols basketball with me. And again, all of you who are maybe new here or haven't seen Cora in a while. Go check her out. She does all kinds of great stuff for Knox News. I'll put a, a link to her Twitter on uh, the description and YouTube and on the podcast description notes as well. Check her out. She has a lot of great stories. We were talking before we hit record here about a lot of different stuff she's been doing for the NCAA Women's Tournament, for uh, just different stories for Knox News and stuff. So I'll let her plug all that uh, in this show as well. But again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Please subscribe to the channel while you're here and like this video. If you're on YouTube, if you're listening to this on podcast, you know, thank you so much for that as well. Leave a five-star review. I'll, I'll read it off on a podcast in the future if you do. And subscribe while you're here. So all that good stuff, let's get out of the way. Cora, let's go ahead and dive in to the Lady Vols being a four seed in the West region, or excuse me, in the Wichita region of the bracket. Before we kind of dive into some specifics, I want to get your thoughts because I, I was you know on Selection Sunday. I was you know, waiting and kept waiting and kept waiting. I was like, okay, where are the Lady Vols going to go? I guess they're going to fall here into the Wichita region. I I was expecting them to be a three seed. Was was I off on that? I feel like to me, it, it felt like a lot of the talk that was the Lady Vols were kind of penciled in as a three. And then but I saw them pop up as a four. I thought, that's interesting. Like I I thought they were going to be a three. You know, I, I think I tweeted out something about them not getting respect. But at the same time, like I kind of get it. You know, you're not you're without Jordan Horst and you're that you, you've had injuries. You've you've kind of, you know, not done as well here down the stretch as you had at the beginning of the year. So I, I kind of get their stock falling. I, I was just kind of surprised to see them off that three line. Cause I think the last bracketology I had seen before that, you know, before the selection Sunday was Charlie cream had him as, as a three seed. Yeah. So I actually went to um, Charlie cream and uh, Joe Lenardi actually had like a, a media zoom for um, some media members to come and ask questions about bracketology and stuff. And so I'd asked about Tennessee and, um, Charlie's cause Charlie had mentioned he could see Indiana jumping to a three seed earlier in the, in the conversation. And so I was like, you know, who do you see them replacing? Do you feel like Tennessee is solid at a three because that's where he had them. So I was curious to know who was going to drop. And he said that, you know, he could see Tennessee dropping because they have a really strong resume there. It's stronger than some of the other three seeds, but it was all with Jordan Horston. So I think, I don't really think anyone expected her to be back right now, but like in the case that she had been a confirmed, like I'll be back in a week, you know, that might've changed things, but you can't predict that. And so the fact that the resume was really strong because really because of her, I think hurt them. Um, and I think if they had maybe been a little more consistent in February with her, you know, cause even before they lost her, they were, a little inconsistent. They were dropping mm -hmm. some upsets on the road. Um, mm -hmm. I think that started to hurt them already. So I think if maybe if they had been a little more consistent and gotten some more road wins in February, that would have helped. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's hard to, 
kind of, uh, it's a hard situation because it's like, she does so much for them. And if she, if she comes back, she will completely change the trajectory of that team, but you have no idea if she's going to come back or not. Yeah, I was going to, that was my follow-up question to you, Cora was going to be, uh, you know, I, I, we saw the video, the little teaser video, I think that, that coach, you know, Sam Williams put out of, of her shooting and, you know, putting pressure on her on both legs and everything. But I, I assume, you know, Kelly Harper hasn't said anything that there hasn't been any sort of indication from anybody in the, in at Tennessee that she's, you know, any sort of progress and isn't going to come back anytime soon. So my impressions from the times that we've asked Kelly about Jordan um, up until Sunday, it had been just like, kind of like a, you know, why are we still asking this type thing? Cause it's like, you know, there's no update. She's still pretty much week to week was what we were heard before the SEC tournament, which is understandable because it's kind of a brutal injury. So, you know, you can't really checking it every day. Didn't really make sense. So it was a week to week thing. It was like a, if people would ask if she was coming back, she'd be like, I mean, yeah, it's possible, but like, don't get your hopes up type thing. Like we're basically just not going to rule it out because you never know, but like Mm -hmm. not super hopeful. And then Sunday she had said um, she's progressing and, you know, there's a possibility that she comes back and like, depending on how far they go, it's not out of the question that she returns and she's pretty much day to day. And so that was, you know, kind of a distinct change in like, her her language of it um combined with the shooting you know video so I think I don't it's possible um at this point but you really can't again can't guarantee it I would say I don't see her coming back opening weekend just based on what I know I don't really I don't really know (laughs) you know the the details of her progress but I would say if they make it out of the second round maybe she would come back she'd make it back for the next weekend. But who's to say? I feel like we won't know till she's warming up on the court and we're like, oh, okay. So she might play some minutes tonight, might not. But I have a feeling that it has to be really sound and like it can't be re-injured easily from contact because she has such a big future ahead of her that there's no point in wasting that. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that was something that um, Kelly said, like the the day, you know, the game after she was injured and everything. They said they don't want to. They're they're not rushing her back. She's only going to come back if she's one hundred percent healthy and able to actually play. And, and like you said, not re injure it, uh, especially on contact. So you're right. I, I, it'd be nice to get her back for you know if the Lady Vols get to the Sweet Sixteen, for example, um, and she's able to play because if you're if you're there, you're <laughs> you're likely playing um, Louisville if you get to the Sweet Sixteen. So that'd be nice to to have Jordan Horston back but before we get ahead of ourselves I, you know I am looking at the bracket in front of me right here in the Wichita region uh Lady Vols has said at four seed there playing Buffalo they're in the same bracket or same uh region as the one seed Louisville two seed Baylor and three seed Michigan which they made they made a point on Sunday on ESPN talking about you know it came down to who's going to be that that final one seed is it going to be Louisville is it going to be Baylor so let's put Louisville at one and, and then stick Baylor at two both in the same in the same region there Wichita um, but you know, before we get to ahead of ourselves, looking at kind of potential matchups and stuff, Layball's got to get by a 13 seed Buffalo team that has a really, really, really talented scorer. Uh, I, I was looking at the roster and stuff, kind of doing on the fly breakdown on Sunday when I did a, a live stream here on Vol Basketball Fever's YouTube channel, and noticed that you know Buffalo has 
uh, Daisha Fair, who is a really good scorer, average, averaged 23.4 points per game this season, made almost 37% of her threes, and she shot a lot of threes. Uh, she attempted 240 so far this season, averaging almost uh, 38 minutes a game. Uh, as also, she's only, what, 5'5", five, five, but she she actually is averaging almost five rebounds a game, which is pretty phenomenal uh, for you know, her not being super tall. And she had a pretty good assist to turnover ratio. I think like a Looking at right now, 142 assists to 65 turnovers, so that's uh, over a a two to one assist to turnover ratio, which is great uh, for a point guard. And 69 steals on the year, so over two steals per game as well. Uh, but she is a legit, you know, really really good scorer, really really good player. They have uh, Summer Hempel, who's or Hempel, I do not know how to say her last name. My apologies. Who averages a double double on the year, 13 points, 10 boards. So. I know, Corey, you've, you've obviously probably taken a much deeper look even than I have for this team. So what about this Buffalo team? You know, what can you tell A-Ball fans about the Buffalo team that they may not know already? Because I look at them as not a not a chalk it up as a definite W for Lady Vols because they, they look like a, a somewhat dangerous 14 seed here in, in this bracket, or excuse me, a 13 seed in this bracket here. Yeah, I mean, I think the first point about mid-major teams and now in the women's tournament especially is they they're not easy wins, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, Alexis Dye on Troy last year almost upset Texas A&M as a number two seed, and they probably should have. Um, so, you know, they have Florida Gulf Coast as a 12 seed, which is frankly ridiculous to me because they're ranked in the coaches and AP people. So yeah. I'm not really sure how they fell so far. You know, Princeton's an 11. They could be higher. There's so many non you know power five teams that are good like they just they just fall to a double digit seed because they're not power five um so buffalo you know talented team the mac is a pretty decent um you know mid-major conference and fair is a killer on offense you know she's she's gonna be hard to stop she still scored 22 points when they played south carolina so you know she can obviously get her on the height she can you know, I think her and Georgia Woolley can can shoot from behind the arc. So that's a distinct concern for Lady Balls, who struggled against Kentucky. Um, that first quarter, they were just hitting threes in rhythm, and it was just dagger after dagger. And that was a difference. If they had, <laughs> if they've been able to slow that down, that could have been their game. Um, absolutely, because they kept pace offensively. They um, just couldn't <laughs> couldn't stop them. Kentucky's so hot right now, and so I think that's just should be a main point of emphasis for them is, you know, shutting down the perimeter and then just making sure you don't make it easy for these guards to get in the paint. Cause you know, they are young, they are a little bit shorter. So you should, they should be able to keep them out of the paint is my point. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it's going to be, have to be start with defense. And I think that's how they play best. Anyways, start with the defense, let the offense follow because they can clearly produce on offense. They scored 74 points in both their sec games in the tournament. So, you know, just tighten it up on defense. And, um, yeah, but, I mean, Buffalo isn't someone to overlook, especially when you're hosting, especially when you're trying to break this streak of second-round exits. You can't overlook that first matchup. Yeah, that's another question I had for you, is how big of a difference is it, you know, for Tennessee being able to host? Because I, th- I think that's huge. Like, I think being able to still be a top-16 seed and be able to host, I think made a, a – is could make a world of difference here in in this uh you know to get over potentially that second round hump we we will talk a little bit here in a second about uh you know the potential second round opponent either Oregon or Belmont but I think with the way the Lady Vols played this year at Thompson Bowling you know look at some of the just look at some of the games they had this year I mean they 
they beat Texas at home. They, they had some really high profile wins at home, really just high profile, just crowds at home. I, I was there for the last regular season game against LSU, and that was a really good crowd. Obviously, Lady Balls weren't able to win that one, but they were also, you know, without Jordan Horston, they felt they trailed, you know, they fed on quite a bit early in that game by double digits and still roared back in the fourth quarter and, and really about stole that win away from LSU. So I think, you know, you were talking about, you know, getting over that hump. They haven't been to the Sweet 16 in, in over half a decade. Like that would be, you know, I've, I've said on this, this show before, that would be progress. Maria and I talked about it. Uh, Maria Cornelius and I talked about it uh, a couple of times about, you know, that would be legitimate, you know, point to it proof of, of progress for this program to get back at least to the Sweet 16. And I think this is a pretty decent chance of doing it because like you said, I, I think they can handle Buffalo if they play the defense that they, you know, they're known for. And then I look ahead to either Oregon or Belmont. Uh, Oregon's a really good team. The five seed, 2011 this year. Belmont's also, again, you're talking about mid-majors in the women's game, you know, and be improving year by year. And that, you know, this year especially, it seems like there's some pretty dangerous mid-majors. Uh, Belmont's not a, a team you want to, you know, they're a pretty dangerous 12 seed as well. Uh, they're a team that's 22 and 7. Their opponents only scored 55 ga- uh, points per game against them this year. Uh, that's pretty That's pretty good defense uh, for Belmont. So, but regardless, looking at whether it's Oregon or Belmont, if the Lady Vols do advance past Buffalo, I think being in Thompson Bowling is a, a definite difference maker for this team. And I think that that coupled with the fact that this is you know a pretty solid team in Tennessee, that I think that could help them get over that hump finally and, like you said, break that second round curse, hopefully, for this 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 team and this program. Yeah, I have a couple thoughts off that. First, um, Thompson Bowling, obviously they play great in Thompson Bowling. And I think um, when it comes to playing, you know, like a, a mid-major team in the first round, having a home court advantage like Thompson Bowling, where there will be thousands and thousands of people in it, it it can it can be intimidating. And I'm not saying that it's going to intimidate the Buffalo or Belmont, but it's like when you you can't simulate that feeling when <laughs> there's ten thousand people cheering for the other team, or you know, and that might inspire some teams. You know, but it, it's also could it also can you know um, be kind of like deer in the headlights type situation and it be kind of an advantage at times for, for Tennessee. So that's great for them. And, you know, I think falling from, even with the injuries, I think falling from number five, number one, project number one to not even hosting would have kind of been a really big, um, confidence shattering type thing for them because they were still playing well in the SEC tournament and they closed the SEC play pretty strong. So, if they were to fall out of the top 16, I think that would have really kind of hurt the morale on the team a little bit. I mean, at least for me, it would have. <laughs> um, and then when it comes to the sub-region, I think Oregon and Tennessee are, are kind of similar in ways. Um, I heard some other people say this, but I definitely agree. And kind of was thinking the same thing. Like Oregon and Tennessee have both showed they can be really good teams, right? Like they've had really good games. They have showed that if they do the right things, they execute, they can be one of the best teams in the country. But if they don't, we've seen some pretty bad games. So it kind of depends on who's showing up this weekend. You know, it it, it really does. So because if Tennessee can play full team effort together, play defense, they can win these games. But it's 40 minutes of that. It's not you can't <laughs> take off one quarter. It It cannot happen. Otherwise, you will go home. So I think with Oregon, it's kind of the same way. Like they've had some really good games, but then they like, they've split with like multiple teams, in the PAC 12, like they split with Arizona state. They split with um, a couple other ones that they 
probably should have just beaten them both times. So there's a little bit of inconsistency there. Um, and so I think that'll be interesting if they meet up in the second round. I think Tennessee can and should win that game. Um, but I also, I think Wichita is me an interesting region because I think Louisville super overrated as a one seed. Not super, but I think that they shouldn't have stayed at the one seed. I think that Baylor should have been the one seed. They made it to the Big 12 championship and the only loss to Texas, who is on fire right now. And Louisville lost in the first round of the ACC tournament, like in a way that we've seen them do it multiple times this year. So I don't really know if that's deserving of a one seed. I think Baylor should have been the one seed. And so you have basically two one seeds in this region. You have three top four draft picks in this region in Shakira Austin, Melissa Smith, and um, uh, Naz Hillman. So there's just, there's a lot of talent. I think Nebraska's a sleeper team. I actually picked Nebraska to upset Louisville. So we'll see. Um, And my reasoning behind that is Louisville's fourth quarter breakdowns. And Nebraska is a very good offensive team that will exploit that. So we'll see what happens. But those are kind of my thoughts on the Wichita region. I like that a lot. And I have a lot of things I wanted <laughs> that I kind of want to say. And I'm trying to figure out the order of, of, of which I want to say them. I'm going to get to the Louisville one in a second because I actually, I genuinely agree with you. I, I think Louisville is easily the weakest one seed. That, you know, that's why they're in Wichita. That's where, that's why they are where they are in the bracket. Um, but I, I, I'll get to that in a second. I'm, I'm going to look at the Oregon and Belmont game because I thought you raised some good points there about kind of Oregon being, you know, inconsistent because I, I was looking at their schedule, looking at kind of the matchup breakdown thing. I'm looking at on ESPN here for the uh, women's tournament challenge that they have along with the men's side. And you're, you're right. Like uh, you, they beat UConn early, I think earlier by 13. They beat Oklahoma. They absolutely destroyed Washington State. But then, you know, again, to your point, they, they lost twice to Stanford. They lost to South Carolina, which I forgot they played South Carolina, but they lost to them and they lost to South Florida. And again, they split several other Pac-12 games they played this year as well. So, you know, assuming Tennessee gets by Buffalo, which I, I you know, I think they will win. I think that, you know, again, having Thompson bowling really helps. Who do you feel has the advantage in the Oregon Belmont game? Who do you think Tennessee ends up playing in that second round as long as, you know, assuming Tennessee makes it that far, makes it to the second round, I guess. Yeah, I think I I don't really I wish I knew more about Belmont. I wish mm-hmm. I had seen a couple of their games this year because at least in the men's side, the five twelve upset is always a thing. But I just don't know if that, you know, like that was almost like I feel like people just expected it at a certain point. But you know, Oregon is a is an upsettable team, um, in my opinion, but I just don't think I know enough about Belmont to really pick that. And I think um I don't know, just with the personnel that Oregon has, I see them getting out of the first round. Like I just, it would take a lot for them to to lose in the first round um, to me. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing with Tennessee and um, Tennessee and Buffalo is the fact that, you know, Buffalo is leading their two guards are freshman, sophomore. Um, so, so Tennessee has some experience, even though, you know, Kelly made the point that, you know, 2020 was canceled. So not a lot of players have NCAA experience, but you know, there's something to be said about having um, senior Ray Brawl in the, in the starting lineup, graduate students, uh, Alexis Dye and Jordan Walker in the lineup, and junior Tamari Key. So, you know, it's like there's there's still experience in, in, in a lot more than a freshman, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, And you're right. Like, I'd, 
I was trying to find information and sorry if that had audio bleed through on a site I was trying to find for, I think NCAA.com <laughs> decided to have autoplay a video. And I was like, okay, I was trying to find records of like the, like I've seen the seating matchup records for the men's side. And I was trying to find it for the women's and I found like overall records in the tournament of like five seeds and 12 seeds, but that wasn't what I was looking for. I was looking for like the specific breakdown. I, I couldn't find it there uh, when I was looking for it. So uh, you're right though. Like I, I, I think from what little I know about both the teams, I, I haven't gotten a chance to watch Oregon. I, I've seen different things on online about Oregon and during the season and because they played, you know, some high profile teams. So I know them from that, but I don't know a lot aside from kind of the highlights of them. But, um, you know, Tennessee and Oregon would be an interesting matchup because, like you said, they're both capable of of I'd say capable of greatness. But can they actually do it in a consistent basis? And, and will the home court advantage help Tennessee enough you know, to kind of overcome, again, the absence of Jordan Horston. And that brings me to the next point of if the Layballs make it to the Sweet 16, we already talked about the chance of, you know, does Jordan Horston come back? Is she able to play if they if the Layballs get to the Sweet 16? And if the Layballs do, I, I, I thought it was interesting you said you had Nebraska beating Louisville. Let's assume that, you know, let's just assume it's chalk. Let's assume Louisville gets by Nebraska or, or Gonzaga, whoever they have to play, because I assume they will beat Albany. Let's assume it's Tennessee and Louisville and the Sweet 16. I agree with you that Louisville, to me, is the weakest one seed. If, and I know it's it's kind of a big if still, but if, if Tennessee gets Jordan Horston back uh, for that game and she's healthy and can play you know, a, a good solid 25, 30 minutes in that game and, and be you know pretty much back to normal for the most part, I kind of like. I mean, I know I'm. I know I'm wearing. Core. I know I'm wearing my orange color glasses with this one. But I kind of like Tennessee chances in that game because, like you said, Louisville has been weak in the second half, and especially in the fourth quarter. And aside from a couple of games this year, especially when injuries were plaguing Tennessee, they've also, for the most part, third and fourth quarters have been when they've been their best. Again, you can point to the UConn game. You can point to a couple other games on the road this year where that's not been the case. But a lot of times those have been shortly after Lily have all suffered, you know, again, a Keenan Green injury or Jordan Horston injury. And, and we're, you know, still, and we're kind of shaking and trying to figure things out. But for the most part this year, Lay Vols have had better second halves than first halves. I don't know that I, I don't know that I would, I would go be as bold to say, okay, I think Lady Vols go to the elite eight if they play Louisville. But I, I, I feel like I like their chances better than any other one seed or really any other two seed that would, the Lady Vols could face in, in that in that matchup. And again, maybe it's Nebraska that Tennessee faces. But I, I'm curious your thoughts because you and I both, I, I wasn't sure if you'd say that or not, but so I'm, I'm glad you said it too. You and I agree, Louisville is a weak one seed. And I think, again, especially if Jordan Horston's back, I think Tennessee has a pretty legitimate shot of, of upsetting them there. Yeah, I think if they play... I think it matters less about who they play and more about how they play mm. because when they play at their best, they can play with anybody. They played with South Carolina for three quarters. Mm -hmm. It was like a three point game at one point in the third quarter. And if they can do that and play to that level and exert that amount of effort and make the correct decisions and execute, they can be a final four contender, but they have to do that. That is the problem. <laughs> they have the talent. They, the, the freshmen have like, when I, when I went to the SC tournament, the media got to sit courtside, which was incredible. I wish that they would bring that back. It's Thompson bowling because I felt like I saw so much more of the game. Um, I was very close to the players. I could see like 
their faces. Like I see like them making decisions. I could see, you know, Brooklyn miles and Kaiwen bringing up the court and the passes they were seeing. I could see, you know, the way they were defending or, you know, things like that. I was just like, I felt like I saw so much more and the freshmen really impressed me for the most part in the SEC tournament. So I think that's a good sign um, because again, it plays into the whole, everyone has a role playing your role, doing what you need to do for the team to win type situation. You know, Caroline Stripling scored seven points and had like a handful of rebounds when Tamari Key had to go out. And it's like, that's what they need. That's what they were getting from Key and that's what they need from her. And, and I just felt like there's a possibility like that depth could still be there. And then, um, I think if my thought is if they play Nebraska, they might run into another situation like Kentucky because Nebraska mm. scores a lot of points. Mm. So if they can't get it under control in the first quarter and Nebraska puts up a lot of points, that's going to like hurt them like at Kentucky. Um, my thought with Louisville is, I don't know how that game would go. I think it, <laughs> again, I feel like that if they had Jordan Horson back and they're playing Louisville, it would completely depend on how they executed. Like, I think that is what it comes down to because I was rewatching um, the third quarter of the Kentucky game today because mm. um, I was writing a story about Alexis Dye and her jumper brought it within one point, right? Mm-hmm. Then Tennessee gets the ball. Jordan Walker misses a layup, which, you know, would have been great to get the lead at that point. But then when they didn't, they kind of, the decisions they made on offense were really, really poor in my, in my opinion. You know, I think I wrote down a log of what they did. <laughs> um, so after Jordan Walker hit, hit, missed the layup, Howard got and, and one play. Fine. It's 49-45. That's still four points with six minutes left in the third quarter. That is not game over. And then um, Burrell got one touch offensively, like one shot when, uh, when Kentucky was going on a 10-2 run. And I'm pretty sure by halftime she had like – she was like five of nine from, from the field. So that was a head scratcher to me. Why are you not getting Ray Brow the ball when you're trying to complete that comeback? You know, they're doing like a one pass and then Alexis Dye, who was hot, took a long jumper and then Tess got the rebound and then immediately tried to do like a reverse layup that I've never seen her make. And so I was like, why not just keep the possession and reset, you know? And then um, where was the other one? There's another one where two passes, test drives, tries to do a, a left hook over a player when could have just kept passing the ball and gotten a better look. So it was just when they panicked, they were making not great choices on offense and kind of wasting possessions. And it's like, that's why Kentucky went on a 10 2 run and just shattered the momentum that when you brought it within one. Mm-hmm. So it's like in crunch time, those decisions have to be better. And if they do that against Louisville, they have no chance of winning. Yeah, that's that's a really good breakdown. I I, I didn't I haven't looked at it that gran, granular, but that's a really good breakdown of kind of what happened with the Kentucky game because it did seem like you're right. Like they they got it close. Uh, uh, every team it seems like every time they'd get like a little run, they'd make a mistake or have a turnover, and that would lead to another Kentucky run that would extend the lead back out. I, I remember that distinctly of saying, okay, we get we would get within four to the six to seven points, and then suddenly. Kentucky goes back out to a double digit lead because there was a turnover or there was a, a really bad shot selection. And and you're right. Like that, that's, that was the killer in that game. It's been the killer in a couple other games too, but, but also what you said, like the freshmen for the most part, I agree with you. They, they were impressive in the SEC tournament. And that makes me, that does make me wonder about the 
depth in the tournament moving forward and will it actually be there and be back or not back but at least be to a point where you know you can make it to the second weekend and then we'll see what happens it once you get the second weekend i mean you're you're playing really good teams no matter what and, and anything can happen um at that point too looking kind of broader picture here i, I think you know we can probably talk a little bit more about the Lady Vols, but I know people who listen to this podcast uh, or watch the videos on YouTube, you know, they're big Lady Vols fans, but they also just like women's basketball in general. I know, Corey, you also, you know, do a really, really good job of just covering women's athletics in general and, and have done a really good job of paying attention to uh, college basketball at large this year. I, I'm curious about looking at some of the SEC teams. Obviously, South Carolina one seed. Uh, Kentucky got in because they, they won the SEC tournament. But I, I am intrigued by Kentucky because you'd mentioned earlier about Princeton and you feeling like, you know, maybe they, they should have been seated higher than what they were at 11. But also look at Kentucky as a team that is healthy and they are shooting really well. I don't know how far. Like I, I, I actually look at my rack right now. I had them going until the uh, Sweet 16 and then they get, get beat by UConn because I just think UConn just is a better team, especially now that Paige Beckers is back. But I'm curious if, if your thoughts on some of the SEC teams that are in, because we have Kentucky in there. There's Ole Miss. There's obviously against South Carolina. Uh, there is Arkansas is in there. You also have one other team. I feel like was in there, Georgia. So you have a, a pretty good collection of SEC schools in the tournament. So I'm curious your thoughts on aside from, you know, South Carolina is one seat, the number one overall seat. I think they make it to me at least to the elite eight and i'll be interested to see because i i think i think they'll end up playing caitlin clark in iowa and i think that's gonna be a fun game uh so i'll be intrigued to see who moves on from there if it does come down to that matchup but i I am interested to hear your thoughts on an lsu sorry i didn't mention lsu uh interested to hear your thoughts on uh just kind of the sec draws and if any anything really sticks out to you about the sec schools besides tennessee yeah, and I just wanted to also before I said this, I didn't mean like test star. We should be taking shots. Oh I no, yeah, 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 yeah. She, I didn't, I didn't want it to come off that way. I just think she has higher percentage shots than those, the ones exactly. I saw her take. So make sure you're having the right people taking their shots um, in those moments. That's all I meant. Anyways, mm-hmm. moving on. Um, yeah, South Carolina, I have winning it all because if that loss in the SEC tournament championship, I am. I feel like it's going to have like the same effect as that loss at Missouri. Mm. Like everyone should be scared now, basically. Um, They have too much athleticism, depth, size, like everything. Like sometimes they have two through five are all like over six, two on the court. Like no other team can match up with that sometimes. And so they just need to execute down the stretch in the fourth quarter and they'll be fine. Um, so I have South Carolina winning it all. I will say that. And I do want them to see, I do, I really, I need them to play Iowa. I need that <laughs> so badly because I I need the stupid national player of the year debate to end once and for all. Like I genuinely, I need it to end so badly. Um, so I, I really would love for that to happen. And then, okay, let me scroll down through my story. I have Baylor not Baylor, sorry, Ole Miss meeting Baylor, losing to Baylor. I really want that matchup to happen because I would love to see Shakira Austin and Mm -hmm. Melissa Smith on the same court. I think that would be very entertaining. And Ole Miss is, they've been impressive to me. I think they could have been higher than a seven seed. They probably could have been like a six in my opinion. But yeah, unfortunate that they have to meet Baylor in the second round because again, if it was switched and Louisville was two seed, I think 
I would like to see Ole Miss beat Louisville. <laughs> I think it's possible. Um, but Baylor is, they brought it out to a really solid team. And I think I have more faith in Alyssa Smith to elevate in a, in a crunch time situation and put her team over. Um, Shakira did score 10 points in the fourth quarter against South Carolina, but it, they were able to kind of shut her down for a lot of the game until then. And it just wasn't enough at the end. Um, I have Tennessee going on the sweet 16 mm-hmm. to Nebraska because, but if Jordan Horson's back, that's a different game, right. but I just have no idea. I can't really make projections based on if she's going to return by then. I have uh, LSU losing to Ohio State in the round of 32 because hmm. I don't know if Alexis Morris is going to be back. And if she is not, um, I don't really have faith in LSU to make any sort of run because we I've seen them. I think the Tennessee game was the first game without her. Um, and the game she went out, when she got hurt, they almost lost to Alabama, which to be fair, Alabama was doing really well at the end of conference play, but they just, they are not the same team without her. Just like, Tennessee is like they still have I would say Caleb Pointer Pointer is more like their Jordan Horston but Alexis Morris produces a lot on offense for them um who else oh I have Arkansas beating Utah upset but then I have them losing to Texas that would be a really good game yeah I would be excited to see that I'm with you on that one I, I actually you mentioned you're you're big on, on Ole Miss and you know unfortunately they they would run into Baylor in the second round, but I'm with you. Like I, I know I have Arkansas losing to Texas too, but I actually like Arkansas a lot. They, they, they really impressed me both times I've watched them play Tennessee this year because they play with a lot of effort and a lot of um, just, I mean, energy out there. And they're actually you know very talented team. Or let's say very, but they're a talented enough team to make some noise. I just don't think they'll get by Texas in that second round though. No, not with the way Texas is playing right now. I have Texas. I think going to my Final Four. I actually think I have Texas going to the championship. Not going to lie. I just like Texas a lot right now. I think they're playing really well. Rory Harmon is, she literally 50 points, nine assists, zero turnovers in the semifinal and final of the big 12 championship as a freshman against Iowa state and Baylor. So, wow. (laughs) And it's like, if all of their if all their again, if all their players can contribute offensively along with her, like they they can do that. They absolutely can do that. But that's also one of my hottest takes is having Texas beat Stanford and be the one to get out of that region. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, well, if it makes you feel any better, Cora, uh, I have the same thing. I have Texas at NC State in the Final Four, and and uh, a little spoiler here, I have Iowa and Baylor in the Final Four. So I, I'm with you on Texas. Like I, I think they will beat Stanford. That's that's my my opinion too. Yeah, and then um, Bridgeport. So I did mention I think Princeton's better than 11, but just the way Kentucky's playing right now, I have Kentucky making a run, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Mainly partly because I think they can do it a lot because I think they can do it and partly because I really want them to do it. Um, They were so fun to watch in the SEC tournament. Like, I, (laughs) It's funny because I actually tweeted in the first quarter of that championship game that they were – Kentucky was up to something special. Like they're playing some incredible basketball and then they won. So I was like, that's the best age tweet I've ever had. But <laughs> I think, I mean, just the way that they can play was very impressive to me. And they, they have really solid defense. Honestly, there was one, there was one possession against LSU. They're playing a really good zone defense and LSU could not, they could not crack it. 
And Caleb Pointer literally jumped a pass to her own teammate because she wasn't getting the ball and they couldn't like get inside the zone. And I was like, <laughs> okay, so that's where we're at. Um, and then who else is in here? Oh, I have Georgia getting upset in the first round because I have DePaul winning that playing game. And I am, I don't really have a lot of confidence in Georgia after watching them at the end of the SEC season. And I really like Anissa Morrow. Like, I think I just, I have a feeling that she is a player who will, is already excellent, but will elevate in March. She, she's gotten her chance and I don't think she'll waste it. Well, um, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Oh, LSU. Where's LSU in here? I think you said you have them uh, losing in the second round. Is that right? To oh, State. yeah, to Ohio State. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I feel you made me feel vindicated, Cora, because I, I felt like I, I knew the the you know, women's basketball a, a pretty decent amount this year from from watching it a lot this year, just more than I really ever have. Uh, and a lot of things you'd said, I was like, okay, yes, I, I did the same thing. I have Georgia getting upset. I have actually Florida Gulf Coast going to the Sweet 16 and taking on Stanford because I like just from when I looked at them, I was like, wow, they're actually a really talented team that I don't know how they're a 12 seed. Like I, that, that to me is one of the easiest 12, five upsets I've ever picked in a, in a bracket before. So, um, now watch it won't happen, but Hey, that I, I think it will. Yeah. The other thing about, um, Florida Gulf coast is the fact that, um, Kirsten Bell has been back since the end of February. She had a small injury. She's entering the WNBA draft this year. Mm. She has a chance to prove herself. And I think when it comes to March, like, when you have a player like that who is got something to prove, who can elevate their team as a whole, that's when like special things happen. And so I fully think that, you know, she is someone who could do that. Well, you kind of teased it already. You mentioned who you have winning it all and a couple of things, but who who is your final four? And I already mentioned my like it's Iowa and Baylor and Texas and NC State, but who do you have as your, your final four? I have South Carolina, Baylor, Texas, and Kentucky. Wow, that's interesting. I like that two two SEC teams, uh, and one of them I would not have expected to make it to the final four. Oh yeah, two Big Twelve teams too. What, yeah, I, you know whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of faith in Kentucky. So if they if they lose in like the second round, I'll be embarrassed, but it's fine. But no, I, I like understand where you're coming from. They're they're playing about as hot as anybody right now, and and they've won what eight or nine straight games. I've forgotten how many they've won now. Yeah, so like then they're healthy. Like they they always had the potential to be this. They just they had so many issues earlier in the year with health and, and different stuff. They just they kept hitting road bumps and road bump after road bump, and then they finally have. It's kind of like the reverse of of the Lady Balls. Well, all kind of Lady Balls had injury you know early on, obviously too with Ray and um, Mara Suarez going down before the year even began. But it's almost like the exact opposite of the Lady Balls, where you know Lady Balls had that one big hurdle, or I guess technically two, to get over, and once they did, they got healthy again. And then, then they started kind of falling apart with Key and Green getting hurt and then Jordan Horson getting hurt. Reverse happened with Kentucky where they had injuries and stuff early on and then they finally got healthy and now they're making a run. So I, I don't think you're I don't think you're crazy at all for picking that, but you're right. Like I, I say all these things and, and talk with all these different people about you know, different things like this. I'm like, I feel pretty good about this. And then they go and lose in the first round. I'm like, okay, well, now I feel like I'm an idiot. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is March Madness. No one really knows exactly right. what they're talking about. Um, the other thing about Kentucky is, I really, I heard people saying that like, oh, Kyra Elsie, like her, she's going to lose her job or something. And I was like, no, she's not like, she's a good coach. They had seven players for a few games. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, she's a really good coach. She was cut from the same cloth as Kelly. They, she's a good coach. I watched her. I watched her a lot during that South Carolina game. And I really like the way she coaches. Like she's very like, 
like you could tell she's telling them what they need to hear but then it's immediately like you're good let's move on let's go let's go let's go and it's like she knows her players so well and she has such a good relationship with them and I loved how she talked about I had asked her something about um seeing Ryan Ryan like end her career on a strong note and she said you know we had a conversation halfway through the season uh, because she started the season under so much pressure you know she's been the number one draft pick of this class for two years all-american freshman of the year like all these things and people expected a lot out of them this year so she um she started the year under a lot of pressure and it was she's like I could see the stress in the way she was playing and so I just wanted to free her of that I wanted her to have fun I wanted her to enjoy her last season because you can't get this back and you know she wanted her to know that no matter what she does that her legacy at Kentucky was so good already like there was a legacy there she didn't have to do anything else and then she just she started having fun. The whole team had a meeting after that losing skid and they they're a different team now. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot to be said about that too, about having your best player, your leader have fun again and enjoy what they're doing and be able to elevate the team like that. Well, Cora, this is this has been fantastic. I I I love your passion for sharing stories and I can tell just from where you're telling like there that like you love kind of digging the deeper and, and getting these stories. And I, I think you're, you know, obviously in the, in the right field and doing what you doing the right thing you should be doing, because I think you're doing a good job of, of, you know, sharing these stories. You've done it with the lay of alls all throughout the season and everything too. So uh, before we end here, I want you to be able to plug your work and unplug war where you know, lay of all fans or just fans of women's basketball or women's athletics can, can find your work and follow you because I know most people on, on listening to the podcast probably already know who you are and everything, but on the off chance they don't and or they're new here. Uh, let them know where they can find your work and then some stuff you want to plug that you've, you've had come out here in the last couple of days or last week. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, it's been really fun to come on your podcast because I do not have the bandwidth right now to do my own. <laughs> so it's been <laughs> fun to talk about things as opposed just to writing. Um, I have a bunch of stuff from selection Sunday and then like, obviously my whole bracket prediction out. Um, I've been really bad about tweeting stuff, so I haven't tweeted like any of it, um, but it's on Knox news. I'll probably tweet some stuff leading up to this weekend. And then I had just like today submitted a pretty big feature on Alexis die, which was so fun. So fun to write. I wish I could have written it like 3000 words long, mm-hmm. but like no one's going to read that. So <laughs> we kept it a little bit shorter, but you know, there, obviously everyone, all the Lady Vols fans know there's something about Alexis die in March. You know, you saw her almost help upset Texas A&M last year. You saw her in the SEC tournament this year. I think it was 40, 42 points, 24 rebounds in two games, wow. something like that. And she's such a fun, like, person to get to know. And, you know, talking to her former coaches, like, everyone really it just loves her. And she is just so special and I'm so glad I got to tell her story because I wanted to since she's been here but it's hard when you only have one season and you have trying to find the right timing and so I'm glad it, it happened like this because she is definitely a player for March and so she's also one of those players who can elevate a team she's a huge spark for Tennessee so it's nice for them to have both her and Ray be able to spark that offense and be able to get them going but that should run online I think tomorrow night maybe Friday morning and I will definitely be tweeting that one. <laughs> so keep an eye out. Well, Cora, thank you so much. And again, you know, Lady Ball fans or just fans in general, you know, go follow her. 
Uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll plug her Twitter in the description here, but I'm also going to read it out once my Twitter decides it wants to load. You're, you're just Cora Hall with three L's, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, so at Cora Hall with three L's at the end there, and you can find her on Twitter there. And again, writer for Knox News, and she does a great job just covering uh, women's athletics in general and just talking about different stuff on there. And yeah, you mentioned the podcasting. I'm glad you've been able to come on here. You've been a great asset uh, to have you know, a great asset to me, a guest for me on here and just great to follow along this year. So I know you've, you've gotten a lot of, lot of uh, love from my Evolve fans too throughout the year. So, um, I know they're very appreciative of you too, but thank you all so much for tuning in and, and watching slash listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back again, hopefully next week, uh, to talk about hopefully two wins for Lady Evolves and I'll have either Cora or Maria or somebody, or maybe do a couple episodes and have a bunch of people on. I don't know. We'll, we'll do a bunch of different things hopefully next week for uh, hopefully a successful week for Tennessee at men's and women's actually both in the NCAA tournament. Again, subscribe to the channel on YouTube. If you haven't subscribe to the podcast, if you haven't really appreciate all of you for the support signing up for Cora. I am Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the lady vol basketball fever podcast. Mm-hmm.